surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is Taylor, your host, and I hope that y'all are having a fantastic, wonderful week. I hope you are checking in with yourselves and really prioritizing your own self-nourishment, your emotional peace, all of the things. I am so thrilled to bring today's episode to you all because the women on today's episode are absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. So today on the podcast, we are going to be talking with Good Moms, Bad Choices. If you've not listened to their podcast yet, you are missing out. These two women, Erica Dickerson and Mila Mapp, are two uncensored sex and cannabis positive parents challenging all the stereotypes of single parenting, especially for black women. Uh, They are redefining the narrative of motherhood and providing a platform for those who don't necessarily fit the traditional cookie cutter PTA mom mold. Um, That that's, this is not their goal. And for them, they're embracing every bit of their own femininity and sexuality. That part is key in raising healthy children for them. And along the way, they're okay with making a few bad choices. <laughs> they're like, you know what? We're human and that's okay. That's going to happen. Um, and as long as they're staying true to themselves, that's kind of their main priority. So they do unfiltered interviews with celebrities and friends and they touch on topics like sex and dating, social media, cannabis, one night stands and black girl magic. And they're best friends. And I absolutely love their whole dynamic. They're raw and censored. Candid, imperfect, hilarious, beautiful. Um, so definitely, definitely make sure to check out their podcast. And I'm so, so, so pumped to share this with y'all because I think you're going to really enjoy it. They are so fantastic. So without any further ado, let's talk about it. All right. So welcome, ladies, to this show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Hi. Yes. Y'all are like living your best lives out there in sunny LA with your weed going. If you hear some lighter <laughs> click-ins, that's what we got going on. And I'm over here in cloudy, sad Seattle. <laughs> I don't know living my best life, but... We're, I, we're, we're attempting. <laughs> but I am smoking weed. That's confirmed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because it's always a work way. in progress. It's always a work in progress. Trying to get to that best life. Yes. Um, I'm so happy to have y'all on the show and to get to know you a little bit more and for the listeners to get to know y'all because I feel like we might be a little bit similar in some ways that like we are very much open books and don't give a shit and are all about (laughs) creating community and showing up authentically as we are, regardless if that makes other people uncomfortable or if other people are going to judge us. It's just kind of like, no, fuck it. This is who we are. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I'm here for it. 100%. We started and there's no looking back now. Yeah, it's too late. (laughs) Yeah, like we can't dial that back in now that we're at this point. I mean, we could go delete our whole Instagram feed, but yeah. 
No, yeah. it's, already, yeah. it's already out in every yeah. episode of our podcast. Yes. Well, and so I would love to hear a little bit more, maybe just to kind of fill in our listeners as well, if you could share a little bit about how Good Moms, Bad Choices started. And I mean, first of all, brilliant name. Like, Thank you. Thank you. Really love it. Um, so yeah, if you could share a little bit about just kind of like how y'all even started this. Sure. Um, so I'm Erica, and this is I'm Mila. So just so your listeners have a reference of voices happening yes. here, um, and yeah, we started a podcast. It'll be three years in March, um, mm-hmm. and really, it happened because Jamila and I we both have children, mm-hmm. um, and one child each. One child each. Could <laughs> um, be more clear. <laughs> yeah. People sometimes think me and Jamila are married, like. There are children. So let me just be clear. Like <laughs> me and Jamila do not have sex. We've never had sex, even though people would love to think that. Yeah. Think that. Um, yeah. but yes, our cool. our kids are best friends. We kind of co-parent, yeah. but we're not romantically. She basically involved. is my husband without the penis. So Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes people don't really know how to understand and see that, like, deep platonic intimacy between two women. I mean, my girlfriend Vanessa and I from the show are super close and we don't even like remotely co-parent or have children but even still people are like are they like together are they like it's trying just, to act it's like, like it's just some silly fantasy people want to play into and you know what go ahead play into it yeah. um but we started the podcast basically um i was a single mom my daughter i met Jamila when my daughter was our daughters our daughters are really close in age so our daughters were around maybe five months mm-hmm. um i i kind of met Jamila because i i when i became a mom i really had no mom friends like zero i was the first of all my friends um and i felt really really lonely and uh I had been trying to go to like mommy groups and meet moms. And I was like, these bitches, I don't can't connect. Yeah. And then, and then I saw, uh, my friend had posted Jamila and I was, and she had a kid and I was like, who is this person? You've been like hiding from me. Where is she? She's like, like, there's another one. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, how could you, you know, I'm going through this. Um, and so she told me, Oh, actually me and Jamila and some friends are going to go out tonight. Do you want to come meet her? I was like, yes. So I like immediately called my mom. I was like, you need to take my child. I'll be back in like two hours. Just watch her. And so I went and to, to this bar, literally saw Mila, went straight for her. I was like on a mission. And like, I don't even like, I pr- never would do this now. I was, I was really, you know, I was really going for it. Um, and I was just like, hey girl, I heard you have a kid. And she was like, yeah, I do. And I was like, we should, we should hang out. I have a daughter too. <laughs> I like, was like, I'm going to call you tomorrow. We're going to set the date. I think like I maybe had stayed for like one drink and then just like left um, and then that's kind of like how our friendship started, but it was really surface at first. She, uh, on the other side, on my side, I also was like the first of my friends to have a baby. There was no, no one else had had a baby and I same, I had seen her on Instagram through another mutual friend. And I was like, huh, there's somebody with a baby out there. That's in close degree to me. <laughs> um, and of course with Instagram, you make all these assumptions about like how great the other person's life is. Like her mm-hmm. pregnancy looks great. Look at her baby shower. She got proposed to mm-hmm. her life's going great. And mine's terrible. I'm depressed. I feel terrible. Um, and that night I had went out, um, with my then with my baby daddy. And usually I'm the one who is making all the friends at the party. I'm always making friends in the bathroom. I'm always too friendly. And this girl was coming straight for me. I was like, <laughs> Someone wants to be my friend. Hello. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you have a baby. I was like, yes, I do. I do. She's like, take my number. And I was like, sure will. <laughs> um, and I swear to God, I never saw her after that. I didn't see her at that party ever again. 
But on Monday, she was like, do you want to come over? And I was so adamant about getting to this play date. I was like, you damn right. I'll be there. And um, we kind of hung out, like, like you said, surface. And we like drank wine. I think we might have smoked a little weed. And we're just like, oh, so like kind of staying to ourselves, but also like, hell, <laughs> like, how's it going? Are you having a good time? I was like, um, yeah, it's great. You know, like, do, do you hate it? Do you hate it here? Because <laughs> I'm not doing well. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of did that for a while, you know, a couple of years, like here and there, just hung out. We probably hung out one time without the kids. And um, I broke up with my baby daddy first. Uh, it was not a good relationship. And I was even more lonely and feeling like my relationship didn't work out. I'm never going to be married. I'm never going to have my family like I thought mm-hmm. I was. And Erica later broke up with her baby daddy. We had both been in long-term relationships. And um, she was like, do you want to start a podcast? And I was like, like a radio thing? And she's like, yeah. But like right before that, she told me that she had met a couple on Tinder and that they were hot, hot, and that she had been dating them. And I didn't know that she was like this cool or spicy because that's like my type of gal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So immediately I was like, oh, okay. I think you met a couple. So I was immediately like, oh, you're really my friend. And also (laughs) once she asked me to do the podcast, I was like, I'm down, but how honest are you going to be? Are you going to tell the story about your couple? Mm-hmm. And she's like, um, yeah, I guess. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Because <laughs> I only have <laughs> w- one on and off switch. I have no medium, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And we kind of like just one day we like, I think even I hadn't even been to your house. <laughs> I had never even been to your house until we were like, let's have a meeting. <laughs> and um, we came up, we took like a week to, to, to come up with the name. We had, a, we had our friend do our photo shoot with our avatar. And we just like sat down and started recording. And uh, really got to know each other. We like our listeners have gotten to see our friendship blossom really on the podcast. Like we really became friends mm-hmm. through sitting down weekly and talking. And um, the reason why I became intrigued by podcasts was because I was really listening to a lot of murder mystery podcasts and I couldn't find any really on black single motherhood. Yeah. And it was just, the space was so white. And I was just like, wait, I just, mm-hmm. I really tried to like find, I was like, maybe I can get some perspective on like what I'm going through. And I was like, mm, no, no, no. I was like, Everybody can't be married. Right? I was like, what? everyone's relationship didn't like, work so out. Everyone's just great over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no one hates. No one hates each other. Okay. <laughs> um, yep. And that's kind of like how it all started. And you know, we've kept going now every single week for three years, and it's been this amazing journey that we've you know been on together and building this amazing, incredible community of moms, women, people that don't even have kids, mm-hmm. um, men, because we don't just talk about motherhood um, and uh, men. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, because because y'all are mothers, but you're also still your own women. We also actually like we do shit outside of fucking parenting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that a lot of the, you know, the podcasts that come to my mind that probably you found in your research of like, you know, white, this whitewashing of mommyhood that is this perfect picture of fairy tale monogamy and um, that that is almost entirely about being a mom. And no, it's absolutely. like, well, where are the other parts? It, it, it's, I think what it is is a lot of women in society really kind of make mm-hmm. you feel like once you become a mom, there are no other parts. And yeah. if you have other parts, you are selfish. You, you better tuck those parts away. Yeah. You are not a, you're not a good mom if you have any of those other parts that still exist. And mm-hmm. you damn sure better not talk about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And it's just like completely unrealistic and ridiculous. Yeah. 
All right, we're going to take a short break right here. Um, I want to make sure that we're all checking in with ourselves on how we're feeling, maybe even before you started listening to this podcast, maybe even how you're feeling during the podcast. If things in this episode are bringing up things for you in your own personal life and just like how you're doing there, because it's totally okay to want a little bit of extra help or to feel like you need a little bit of extra help. So I want to provide a resource for y'all that is one of my favorite sponsors of the podcast, and that is BetterHelp. So they provide online uh, professional counseling services. So it's not self-help. It's not a crisis line. This is affordable. They also have financial aid available. Um, This is like real therapy just done virtually, which is what most people are doing these days anyway. Um, And I know the seasons are changing and you might be feeling a little bit, a little bit down. You might be struggling with that transition. You might be struggling with the weight of the world these days. And that is so okay. You don't have to take on all of this by yourself. So I really want to encourage y'all to check out BetterHelp. Um, and I want you to just like start living a happier life. Like you're very much worthy and, and deserving of that. So as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash talk about it. You can join over a million people taking charge of their mental health today. And again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash talk about it. So be sure to take advantage of this amazing resource and we can now get back to the show. There's so many things that I want to chat with y'all about um, from relationships to being moms um, to the podcast. And one place where I kind of want to start on this um, is talking about that importance of having representation of black single moms. Um, I mean, my mom was a single mom, but she's white, but she had me as a, you know, black biracial child. And, you know, I know that she had some weird experiences from that, um, growing up with me and raising me. Um, and I, I wonder how her experiences would have been different, you know, if she was a black woman who was single, also raising a woman of color. Um, and yeah, wondering if y'all can just kind of, kind of speak to that importance of having that representation of single moms who are also black, who also are being authentic with being multidimensional. Yeah, I think that there's like this real, this, yeah, no, for sure. I think there's like this narrative of black motherhood that's like, it comes from a place of like deficit and it comes from a place of like, what happened? Why? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's always a negative. And of course being a, I didn't want, it wasn't my goal to be a single mom. Like, like Jamila said, she had this whole, you know, fan, like this made up fantasy of who I was based on Instagram. I was, you know, getting engaged and I was going to be married and I was with my baby daddy and we were happy. So it seemed, um, we were at some point just, you know, it wasn't, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, I think that like, it's, I think it's really important to, for me, I just now having this platform to make, empower us and make us shed light on the positivity of being a black single mom and not feeling like a statistic because I really did feel that way. And I know Jamila felt that way too. When, when we, when our relationships ended, I felt like, oh my God, I'm just like what they said. I'm like, you know, Mm -hmm. I failed, we failed, he cheated, of course. And you know, it's just the same fucking story. No, Mm -hmm. I I, I completely agree. Like, I, I don't even think I realized how, um, how heavily like the stereo- like the stereotypes had like 
even affected me because I, I didn't, you don't, obviously we didn't plan to do, plan to be single and you don't really realize how ideas and beliefs are implanted in your subconscious until like, you're like, wait, why am I feeling a certain way? Mm -hmm. But after like, even after my breakup with my baby daddy, there was this thing, like I would go places because first of all, we're from the Valley in LA, which is not like super black. We're Yeah. Nope. So, and and I've, and I've grown up with like, not always being like one of three black, you know, kids in the school. So like, it's not, and I was used to it. I wouldn't even think twice about it until I went to Atlanta and went to Clark and I was like, oh my God, there's so many black people. Yeah. What have I been doing my whole life? But there was a thing where I would like go places with my baby daddy and my baby, like the museum or the park. And I would see like white families and I would be like, in my mind, I was like, look, look at us. Yeah. We do things as a family together. Mm-hmm. We are a unit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but and black love exists. Black love exists. And so yeah. does black family. And like after the breakup, I was like, that's not it anymore. I'm not, I'm not representing for the, mm-hmm. I don't know, for everyone. I don't well, know. Some way you're, you're like a little less valuable. That's how I felt, you yeah. know? And mm-hmm. um, I don't even think it, it dawned on me how much it was like, I held on to that relationship for a very long time, hoping and wishing like things would change because obviously I loved him, but also I just, I, I had something to prove to myself and to yeah. people that I don't know. Um, and so I this platform had, and this community has really made it, I think representation matters, period. Yep. Um, normalizing seeing things and seeing people that look like you doing the shit that you're doing makes you more comfortable and makes you like, oh yeah, this is, every single black mom isn't like Holly Berry in that movie mm-hmm. where she's fighting for Isaiah, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not that, you know? And I don't have to like associate myself with that. And like the thing is like I, I and even talking to other like single moms that are not black, I really, they, they, I, they recognize like the things that we probably thought about were not things that they had to consider in their breakups. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is, it's very, um, it's very important. I think what we're doing. And I think for some people who are not black, they may not be able to understand that or like, or like, well, why I, I've had friends like well why are you you know assuming because you're black that it's different and I'm like girl it's not an assumption it's just what it is have you, have, have you turned <laughs> like, the TV? like yeah like if if life in general isn't different because of your skin color how would how would being a mom not be different with that intersection there right well and then, then there's that obl- obliviousness you know yes, the privilege and the privilege the privilege and so mm-hmm. yeah I'm just I'm, I'm I forgot the question but I'm just happy that we're here <laughs> We're here just, you know, I would just say that, yes, it's so important that that we, that there is representation for single black motherhood in a positive light, but also in a negative light and also all the parts, all the parts. And that's what we share on our podcast. We share all the parts because there's some fucking amazing things like that happen as a single parent, this empowerment that happens, at least for me. And I think Jamila, and I, I find it more and more with all my friends that unfortunately, you know, some are becoming single parents and like, Mm -hmm. I find some, a switch kind of turns on where it's like, they didn't know what the fuck they wanted to do with their life, you know, because they had this partner that was like, that was their source of like all their, their energy was going there. And then suddenly they don't have that anymore. And it's just them and their kids. And you feel this inspiration to it's, it's inspiration. It's also, you got to figure this shit out. But also I think it's just this natural progression of like finding yourself without someone else there. Yes. You know, you really have to. I've had to face myself in so many ways that I never would have faced myself had I stayed with my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a blessing to me. I'm not I'm never going to be like, yeah, like, fuck, <laughs> fuck marriage. Like, <laughs> everyone should be a single parent. But like, 
Mm-hmm. If you are, fuck yeah. Like, fuck yeah. You're going to be just fine. You're going to be mm-hmm. just fine. And you might be better. You might have breakthroughs. And it, it, it's mostly about choosing yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to choose a relationship because I think that that's, because I think that there's some stereotype I'm avoiding by staying in it. You know, I'm just yeah. like, myself is what's important, whether it's this, that, or whatever, what makes me happy. And I think a lot of moms miss that because we're so attached. We're so attached to, um, like this idea, you know, that mm-hmm. we're supposed to fucking have a white picket fence and live happily ever after. It just yes. doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I've literally had guys be like, well, I want to have that. You know, I want to give you that white picket fence. I'm like, what if I don't want a white picket fence? Right. Like that's not A, you assuming and B, you really don't know me enough to be able to even say that that's something you want to give me in the first place. But that's another story. Um, but- <laughs> you better tell him, tell him Taylor. <laughs> I'm all of Taylor. Um, but this this point to you know the the stereotypes and I think that women in general have a strong stereotype of being, you know, caregivers, but I think that there's an even extra burden on black women to be caregivers and to um, hold the burden of the family and to keep it all together all the time. Um, and so we're so day- strong. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're so strong. Uh, <laughs> you teach other people so much. Thank you so much. Okay. But at the cost of what? Um, and yeah, I can see where like, unpacking all of that as a mom could be really difficult. Um, and making that switch to say, you know what, I'm going to prioritize myself. This isn't what's good for me. And I want to get to know me, um, doing that on your own, just as like an independent person is hard as fuck. I can't even imagine also having a child and having to make those decisions. Um, so I'm wondering if, if y'all are open to sharing a little bit about kind of like how you've dealt with and how you've coped with mental health along all of this, you know, through those breakups, through kind of figuring out how you want to show up in motherhood and in your own identity, um, what, what the experience has been like with, with your mental health and how you've cared for it. It's been a fucking roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I say cared for it, but like you also might not have cared for it. And that's part of it. <laughs> it's been answer. a roller coaster. I wish I could sit here and say, oh, it's been this beautiful journey. <laughs> mm-hmm. I loved every second. I learned so much. I was saying the whole time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I have learned a lot. And the journey, I'm learning to enjoy the, I'm learning to see the beauty in it. But it's been really hard. You know, mm-hmm. I, um, became a single parent very like, it was just like one day I'm a single parent. It was, there was no like leading into it. It was just like, mm-hmm. boom. And I was like, oh shit. Um, and this was how long in like, how old were, were your children at this point when you both, my daughter started? was about three. Okay. She was two and a half, two and a half, two and a half. Yeah. She's about to be okay. six, two and a half. Um, and I think, for me, um, there were just a lot of, I was already dealing with the, like having the mental health of like my breakup or trying to have, have some sort of healthy outlet from the, tr- like, I felt like it would, I, to me, it was felt like a tragedy. Um, I like, I was felt like I was mourning a death, like yeah. so, seriously. And I mean, um, in a way you are. In a way so, you are. No. Yeah. And I think, um, obviously therapy was one of the ways that helped me. Um, I started to see my therapist. I had started to see a therapist before that, but once that happened, like, yeah, I went really hard into therapy. Um, I think 
to be honest, that my podcast has really mm-hmm. been a huge source of my mental health yeah. and hell has held me accountable for a lot of shit and my community being so supportive. And like, we have, we share a lot and like, mm-hmm. we also don't share everything on Instagram or on the yeah. podcast. And we have this other community on Patreon where we have like people there that, you know, know a lot more and they really, um, I don't know. It's like a really safe space over there. I'm really mm-hmm. like protected fiercely. Suddenly, somehow we've been able to like people, the people that go into Patreon, they're all like so well-intentioned and not oh, yeah. evil. Thank um, God. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. I will say like my daughter too. My daughter has been a source of my mental health. Like kids are the greatest teachers, honestly. Like my daughter has taught me so many things and having to show up for her, like has been, you know, obviously really hard sometimes, but the the return on the reward is so high that I just, I choose that option every time, you know, and I fuck up. I definitely fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cause you're human, but it helps. And cannabis helps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cannabis helps with my mental health. I mean, I know not everyone smokes weed and I'm, we and Jamila are weed advocates, but obviously only if you want to smoke. Yeah. Um, and honestly, weed has made me such a better human and better parent overall, um, which we can go into that or whatever, but it really has helped me um, deal with a lot of things that like I, I might've went to therapy for and been prescribed something else. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. has been like a great outlet for me to just my anxiety and I think sisterhood, girl, sisterhood, say, girl, like I don't even want to sound like super cheesy and shit, but like me and Erica, oddly, our lives are oddly parallel, like not just our periods, but like everything. <laughs> and like, even, um, she broke up, I broke up with my baby daddy when, my, when Luna was like two, my daughter's name is Luna. And, um, at that point, like I knew, I had known probably the whole two years that that shit was not about to work, you know, but I kept trying and trying and praying and hoping. And I don't know what the fuck else I was doing over there. Some witchcraft. I was trying, (laughs) I was just like, please rain dances. (laughs) Rain dance. I was doing everything in the, under the sun. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just wasn't working and it wasn't, I was not happy. And, um, like I said, me and Erica weren't really close friends, but that shit could not have come at a better time because I was trying to, I was kind of trying to navigate it by myself. And like, honestly, not trying to navigate this, that space with other friends that didn't have kids, um, that weren't black. Um, it was like, I was talking to people that didn't get me. And, it, and even though they had been my friends for a long, long, long time and not in a bad way, but just like, sometimes you don't understand the shit someone else is going through because it's just, you're not going to get it. Yeah. Um, when, so when me and Erica, like just pushed record, I didn't even realize how much I needed to talk, yeah. how much I needed a stranger from the internet to be like, girl, that happened to me. It's okay. Um, I'm a cancer. So I like Same hoard girl. some. Hey girl, mm-hmm. I can hold, you know, we'd be clinging to some shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> Please. Oh yeah. <laughs> Please, I want to keep them. Um, Just trying to squeeze it as tight as possible. Literally. <laughs> and, uh, Let me get work. <laughs> and, and I, and I knew, I've known my child's father since we were like 13, mm-hmm. but even to this day, like we could have one conversation. I could just cry at the disappointment of it not working. And I have to like deal with that. Like it's not, it's okay to feel sad about it, but you also have to let it go. And I think the, my, like to being accountable 
and having a friend that's really holds me accountable. Like, bitch, you said you weren't going to do this. Don't be fucking up. And like, even knowing that last week I said the same shit or four weeks ago, I said it. And there's other people who heard me say it has really like, it is therapy. And like, I don't even really know where I would be without the podcast with in mental health. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think people really underestimate the power of just talking shit through. I mean, that's a huge part of what psychotherapy is. And like, as a psychotherapist myself, like a lot of the times what people need is just that safe space to vent and to talk through their thoughts. And I think it's, it's so like <laughs> underrated. People don't get it. Like sometimes I, you just need to do that. <laughs> you just have to, talk. I literally was just saying, I don't know if it was to someone, I don't know. I was just saying that Yes, I have a podcast where I, I like I put all my business on the internet, right? But like you don't have to do that. But I do recommend if you need to record yourself mm-hmm. talking so it feels like you're doing something and just talk about a subject for like 15 minutes, I swear and I promise you you will come to some realizations. Like I like we have the segment that we do called Roll Up and like we smoke weed and we sometimes it's together, sometimes it's by ourselves. And like the by myself ones have been so like life changing. Mm-hmm. I've come to so many conclusions alone talking. And yeah. I'm like, I'm just talking shit, talking about oh, fuck this. Then and I'm like, wait, wait. <laughs> why do I do that? Wait, I did that because oh fuck. That's why I'm doing that. And it's like it's literally just talking. And I think that's actually like, you know, like that's what therapy is, you know? And sometimes yeah. you need someone there. But honestly, like I've come to so many realizations just talking about myself to myself. Oh yeah. So I highly recommend. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I've had some clients that do like video journals or like mm, voice memo yeah. journals and that really, it's I highly recommend it. Could go off on that a bunch. Um, <laughs> I want to get into a little bit of like dating as single moms um, and as black singles, single moms. Um, and I mean, maybe a little bit now with COVID as well, but um, you started off your uh, experience after your breakup with going into a, I don't know, relationship, but dating a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, wondering if you, if you can speak a little bit to that and then both of you just of like dating as single moms. Yeah, I think like um, I've always, so I've only ever been in monogamous relationships. I had, you know, I had experimented with women or whatever, you know, before, before my daughter's father mm-hmm. or before our relationship. Um, and I always kind of knew like traditional relationships, like weren't like, they didn't feel completely natural to me. I was a big cheater, like in my, you know, teenage years and like not a big cheater, like I'm a <laughs> maybe I was, let me ask my ex-boyfriend. Yeah, the infamous um, cheater. But I always like was come like, I knew I loved these people, but like, I just also felt like, why can't I, there was just, there wasn't this conversation that we're having now Mm -hmm. where ethical, non-monogamy, I didn't even, that term, radical honesty, like there are these conversations we're having. Like I thought it was only one or the other, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tried to explore that with my, my, my daughter's father, but like, you know, he wasn't, he didn't believe me, I think. And, uh, when we broke up, I was like, you know what? I, this is like the first time I'm like, I, I was like, I'd been in that relationship for seven years. I was like, I'm just going to try shit. Fuck this. Mm-hmm. I joined Tinder, which, you know, I highly always, I always recommend to moms and new, newly single moms. If you don't know where to start, start on a dating app. I was like really weird about dating apps because I'd been in a relationship for so long. And like before that relationship, it was like, I don't know, like weird, like old people, like dating yeah. apps. I was, yeah. So when I came out 
single seven years later and all my friends like, you should join a dating app. I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But doing that was like the biggest blessing to me and really part of the reason we even had this podcast um, because it just like encouraged like me to kind of like explore in private. And yeah, I met this couple and they were, it's like the most amazing, I got really lucky. Like Mm -hmm. they were really amazing. They showed me they like showed me how they outline their relationship and their rules and their boundaries. I saw it's something I really needed too, because they were so happy. They are, they are so happy and in love and they, they genuinely want to see each other happy, whether that's with them with, you know, sexually together or in play. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I, I explored that side and I feel like, you know, I did feel like some sort of weird guilt being a mom and being like having, I'm having threesomes and shit. I'm like, I'm a mom and I'm having threesomes what does this while mean? my babysitter is watching my kid. Girl, you paid for that. And then I come back after the threesome, like, thanks, bye. And like, love on my kid. I was like, wow, this is a mind fuck right here. <laughs> is this supposed to happen? Is this against the rules? I am back to like being mommy. Like five seconds yeah. ago, I was like being tied up. Um, but, but, I felt empowered by it, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm doing that shit. Like, Ah. why not? I should be able to do that. And actually, this is fucking great here. I love it here. Mm -hmm. Um, But so, like, exploring that way has been cool. I know, um, obviously, there's a lot of being a single parent and dating is is not all great. It can be weird. You know, not everybody wants to date a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you tell people you're a mom and then suddenly the conversation's different and it's weird and it's like, okay, well, bye. Yeah. This is a package deal. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things one of my, my girlfriends told me when I was first single, she was like, well, this way will be good for you. She was like, this way, when you date now, guys will know that you're not here to play games. You have a kid and you're not fucking around. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm, you're right. Mm-hmm, I have no time to play games. <laughs> and she's like, they'll take you more serious now. And I was like, yep, with this new baby, I'm going to be more serious looking. <laughs> I'm going to put her on my, I'm going to put her on my, on my, on my profile, huh? You're dating app. Yeah, yeah, I do. I have a picture of me and my kid. Like you need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think one of the biggest things, like for me, it, like dating apps are cool, but it really just stroked my ego. And that's what mm-hmm. I needed at the time. Yeah. I needed flirty conversation. I needed to go on some dates. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed to get laid from someone else. And that's what I needed at that time, you know? And, you know, there was balance that came after that, but I needed to feel better about myself because I had been in such a fucked up relationship with a guy who was like so verbally mean that I forgot who I, the, who the fuck I was, you know? Yeah. I'm like, wait, hold on here. I look good. Okay? Yeah, you're like, hold up, I'm not a bad bitch. Right, like, I'm yeah. a bad bitch, and you're tripping. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, just going out a little bit on dates and, like, just flirting was just really was just, like, made, made, it, made me more confident in myself mm-hmm. in a time where I really needed that boost. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that was my whole thing. No, absolutely. I, I had to yeah. get my feet wet. I had to get back out there. I had to really, like, because there's, there's this thing after pregnancy where you're just, like, feeling fucking frumpy. Like, you don't mm-hmm. feel that cute. Your hair is probably not done. My, my boobs were leaking milk and shit. I was yeah. just like, I'm a cow. I'm not even a woman. <laughs> and you kind of have to, like, put on makeup, put on lingerie. Like, go outside, bitch. Go get yeah. a drink. Well, I know it's harder now, but yes. And, and I think yeah. one of the... And I, <laughs> COVID. And, and, yeah, it is. Right. Drink in the living room. Um, <laughs> I think another thing is mom guilt. Mothers 
come with guilt. Like you don't hear dad guilt because they don't have it. And I just had, I think initially it was like me and her fighting out of mom guilt for like going to go indulge in a threesome, going to Mm -hmm. go have maybe casual sex and then not feeling fucking horribly guilty about it. And, you know, for any moms listening, that includes not telling your judgy ass friends what the fuck you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think it's like when mom guilt is so real that if you have friends that reinforce your guilt, even if your own mom does it, because my mom be doing that shit and I don't even get it because you're a mom. (laughs) Yeah. But like cut them off. Don't tell them shit. And like one of the, like I found empower, like even Erica is my, you know, she's my sister. And I'm like, bitch, you're fine. That baby's Mm -hmm. fine. She's with people who care about her. If you want to go take an extra day, take an extra day. And you need friends to tell you that. And you need to be reminded that like the baby will be fine. And the dad is not a babysitter. It's their dad. And Mm -hmm. honestly, single parenthood is really cool because you can have to do it only like 70% of the time. Yeah. (laughs) You You have a baby for that independence. You do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Well, I remember, I mean... I'll speak as like a child of a only parent for a second that I think one of the things my mom struggled with a lot was the guys that she was dating or when, when she would date that it wasn't that they necessarily took her, took her more seriously, but that it was that they saw me as a burden as baggage and granted, obviously wasn't picking the best ones in the bunch, but, um, (laughs) you know, finding me incredibly annoying and like, why does she talk so much? Like, why is she crying? You know, like, can you get her to shut the fuck up? Like, you know, all these other things where I think like, it wasn't necessarily that they took her more seriously and that they did kind of take advantage of her knowing that she was in a, um, maybe more of a vulnerable position. Um, I'm wondering if that's something that either of you can kind of relate to at all. Oh yes, I can actually. Um, I think, like dating with a a kid, especially like if she isn't like my daughter's five. Right. Mm -hmm. So she is very, she communicates, um, but she's still like, she's not a baby, obviously, but she's a child and she can be unreasonable. There's no Mm -hmm. reasoning sometimes. And that can be very embarrassing, not only just just in everyday life in public, but also when you're with a partner, you know, maybe one that doesn't have a kid and doesn't understand that experience and doesn't have the stamina of patience that you've developed over the last five years. And they're just like, this is a reflection of your parenting. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also like maybe they're not doing that, but you feel like it's a reflection of your parenting. And so then you automatically feel like they must be judging me. And yeah. you go, you bat, I battle with that all the time. Like, oh my God, oh my God, shut the fuck up. What, are you shut up. Like, talk, don't do that. Don't do that in front of him. He's going to leave. No, um, I'm just kidding. Um, He's never going to have a baby with you like this. <laughs> but no, there is like this weird, like sometimes embarrassment, but also like going, yeah, this is going, it's like the going back and forth and trying to like find balance. Like I just got out of a relationship and I, like I really, one of the stresses of my relationship was their relationship, you know, and like wanting it to be good and like wanting her to behave and like him and not be like my mommy, my mommy. I'm like, oh my God, why is she doing this? You know? And like, why is he offended? You know, like just. She's fucking five. Right. But like, I understand that. And obviously that's reasonable. Like that's, that's just, but that's just not until it pops up and you're like, Oh God, like this was really happening. Like, Oh, like it just, it makes you have to kind of like make that decision too. Like you always say, like, I'm always going to choose every mom is in her, in her heart says, I'm always going to choose my child mm-hmm. no matter what. Right. Like no guys going to come in here and like fucking get in the between those things. But then sometimes your child is a fucking brat sometimes. And yeah. then you're like, Oh shit. Like they're right. Like they're <laughs> right this time. But 
they weren't right this last time, but they're right this time and they're right this last time. And it's like this going back and forth of like keeping tabs of like who was right and who was wrong and make, it's just like, it's very stressful. And I just went through it recently and it really did stress me out. Um, Mm -hmm. trying to like manage their relationship, um, Mm -hmm. and feeling like I'm not, and I mean, this is my first relationship being a single parent, a serious relationship. And so I was, there was a lot of learnings that that happened. Um, and it's not easy. It's not easy incorporating. I mean, at least it wasn't for me this time fully. Like it, I'm hoping that maybe I, I you know, something else and something different will show up. Um, and it's no mm-hmm. slight to him. He's a great guy. It's just, it was just, I don't know. It just didn't feel, it felt hard mm-hmm. <laughs> maintaining their relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think this has a lot to do with like the talks you have with yourself. Because sometimes it's us, you know, like feeling guilty about our own shit, feeling insecure about our own shit. Like, damn, am I doing even like in any even with minus having a partner, like when you first someone just you just push out a baby and then you're like, like, here, be good at it. Mm-hmm. And like there was a time where like, the baby was very small. I was in the like, doctor's office. She was crying. And I immediately was like sweating. I felt like everybody was looking at me. Every, all the women in the room seemed older than me. They're like I, in my head. I'm like, they don't think I know what I'm fucking doing. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> and like, you know, but like I, neither did y'all. <laughs> right. Right. And I left the room. And I like went in the hallway but like um so I just feel like in general as women and as moms there's always like it's going to go back and forth there's always going to be this switch that happens and you have to you have to just like be like this is this is it this is what you know like you have to be like this is how I parent this is what I do you know and you shut the fuck up you know and that comes with mother-in-laws parent and like friends whatever there's always going to be a point where you have to like come come into your your motherhood I think for me like that's so unbelievably true what you said about like men taking advantage of women um who are vulnerable because the truth is like single moms do be needing help I need help yeah um and I kind of even dealt with that in the last relationship that I had like kind of clinging to it a lot because I was like this is it. Like, this is my support system. Like, my kid really likes you. Like, we're really going to do this. We're going to be a fucking family. <laughs> yep. And But it just, like, wasn't fitting, you know? But a mm-hmm. part of it was, like, it felt like I had fucked something up really good because he liked my kid. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe that won't come, maybe that won't happen the same way again. Like, who's going to take my kid camping? <laughs> Other niggas? I don't know. But <laughs> another nigga that camps? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But in my mind, I'm like, no, I fucked it up, you know? But there's another part of me, like, because my first relationship was so bad with her dad, there was a time I briefly, like, went on a date with someone, and he, like, got smart with me, girl. And I was like, something, like, switched. And I was like, who the fuck are you talking to? I, like, went crazy. Oh. Because I had been, like, previously, like, abused. I was, like, a bad woman. Mm-hmm. So this stranger thought he was going to come talk shit to me. He like said, you're acting stupid. And I must have fucking went crazy. <laughs> I was like, I was triggered. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and a part of me was like, yeah, you go girl. Fuck him. <laughs> you know, where, where that may have not happened before, but I was like at the end, mm-hmm. I was at the end of taking any shit from any men. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just, it's just like a constant swing. I think it's really having those talks with yourself. Oh my God. Is that a spider? <laughs> oh my God. It's just <laughs> came down from nowhere. It's in front of me. Wait, where are you putting it? I don't know. Stop, I see ah! it. Stop, stop. It moved. Shh, shh. That is the worst when they come out of literal thin air. Literally, the itsy bitsy spider just came in front of me and Erica's like extremely scared of bugs. Sorry, oh, no, guys. No, she, she's out of here. She's done. <laughs> you good? Oh, sorry. It's okay. 
I just hurt my toe. That hurt. <laughs> Fuck. Was this a like I'm gonna let you outside and live your know, life? I this is like, like I'm where, killing you right now. I'm trying to be ethical and like be nice because everyone tells me spiders are good. Yeah. And I don't like them, but like I'm trying to have a better yeah. relationship. I don't know. Yeah, no, I feel that. <sighs> it's a whole mental process, like in the moment when you're freaking out of like, oh my god, do I protect your life? Do it? Does this mean I care about your <laughs> life less because I'm about to kill you? Oh, it's like it's a whole thing. Yeah, um, well, I don't know. He survived somewhere. <laughs> yes. I'll be on my leg right now fingers um, crossed sorry. that's not the case interrupt your beautiful speech sorry. the whole thing is just be be high be, because you're dating with another human you have to be hyper aware of the people you bring into your life mm-hmm. you have to be hyper aware of red flags you have to yeah. cut niggas off when they're t- when it's time to cut them off and red flags are real and when you have a kid that you're responsible for you got to be 400 times more on that shit and have yeah. less um less of the clingy cancer shit that i be having i think also mm-hmm. having a real conversation with your partner too about what like when something comes up like be like okay this is how i think you we should have handled the situation mm-hmm. and then like seeing how that happened, how that works afterwards, if they listen and how that, and how, and how that works, because I think that's maybe part of the mistake that I made in my relationship is that I didn't, I kind of was like, just figure it out. (laughs) I'm like, she's fine. Just go in there and talk to her. Why can't you just go talk to her? She's crying because you're upset and you're upset because you're in a, you're like, a 30 something year old person you're upset <laughs> yeah. with five year old you guys need to work that out together. yeah I'm like, i have too much shit i don't have time to- figure it out yeah well it's hard because i mean i think like in that kind of a situation where you're with someone who maybe isn't the best with kids or hasn't really like had other kids in their life and now is kind of in this position of like this is the person i care about and this is their kid now I'm in a way becoming like a parental figure for that for them, but like also I'm just trying to like date this woman. Like it's a whole dynamic. Like I think of my stepdad, and he throughout our lifetime has been hella triangulated between my mom and I, and like the arguments we have, or me and him not necessarily developing a strong relationship because it's kind of stayed just between me and my mom. Um, I could go off on a whole thing about this, but I do want to talk a little bit about uh, sexuality with the two of you. Um, I know you kind of spoke a little bit about like experimenting with a couple and experimenting with girls in the past. I'm curious if that's kind of like similar for both of you. And we've talked about men, uh, but curious kind of, you know, sexuality, sexual orientation wise, um, kind of where you both lean and, and how you kind of let yourselves experience your sexuality as moms. Um, Erica is by fun. Mm-hmm. I made that up because when she wants to have fun after about three tequilas, she gets by as a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, I actually, um, I've had more relationships with women than I have with men. Hmm. Mostly like in my college years. Um, I've always known I was attracted to women since I was like five or six. Um, yeah. And I've also, I'm in an odd, strange, weird way. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I have a very, I don't give a fuck type of personality. Like I've always Ain't nothing had wrong that. with that. I've, I've always had that personality. My parents, they, they hate it. <laughs> There's nothing they can do about it. But I, I don't think I've ever really, even when I was 18, I moved to Atlanta. Like <clears throat> um, I got a girlfriend. I brought that girlfriend home. I was like, everybody get with it or shut the fuck up. And that was it. Like I brought three other girlfriends home year after year after year. And then I'm like, oh, now I'm, now I'm going back. 
and nobody say shit to me, you know? Mm. And that's just kind of been like, that's, I have the type of personality, like I can't help who I am. I'm kind of talk a lot. I'm kind of perky and excited all the time and I'm friendly and I dance a lot and I Mm -hmm. might get topless and Mm -hmm. you know it's either you take it or you leave it yeah if you you like it or you don't and like even that goes with my sexuality and even as a mom I don't I'm never gonna like be, be dishonest with my child about who I am like I probably will never I don't know, but probably will never have a girlfriend again. Like, I don't see, foresee that in my future, but like, mm-hmm. I would never not tell Luna that, you know, I tell her mm-hmm. you can love whoever you want to love. She's like playing with her Barbies. Like, can, wait, can two, two girls be married? I'm like, sure. Yeah. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like we have, we have, they have uncles that are, have boyfriends and like, mm-hmm. I, we believe very much in like just honest parenting in an age appropriate manner. And um, love is not anything that I feel like needs to be shielded or censored. And so mm-hmm. I just like with my personality, like I like who I like. No. Um, and that I don't know who that might be when they come along and I see them, I'll know. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> that's just kind of who I am in general. Yeah. I'm by foot apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I also hate the term. I hate labels. I hate bisexual. I never, yeah. you'll never really hear me say that. I just, I'm fluid. Yeah. I like, I'm pansexual. Mm-hmm. I like people. Yeah. That's how I feel. I like people too. Mostly men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do like, I do like women though. I feel like, I feel like actually now that I'm single, I was like, maybe I need to explore this more, like really go and explore my, my interest in women more. Something mm-hmm. I haven't really done. Mm-hmm. Like one on one. Solely, so like solo, solo style. Yeah. 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 <laughs> solo style. Not unlike, yeah. A, okay. Yeah, not me being a unicorn, no. Yeah. <laughs> Unicorning can what be about now occasionally. Oh, I, I mean, that's the only thing I know. I've only, I've only been the unicorn. You've had someone come, oh, well, not in a relationship. No, I tried to have, I was, me and my last partner, I really wanted to do that because I've never had a part boyfriend um, that was open to it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really hard to do that in COVID. It's very hard to find a unicorn in COVID. Yeah. Wait, what, 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 is, your, what is your status? Is that how you say it? No, it's not your status. What is your sexual category? <laughs> Orientation. Orientation, category. What do you call yourself? Yeah, I like, well, like you, I have never really been a big fan of labels, but if I had to categorize it, it would be pansexual. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> You said topless earlier, and I, I'm so glad that you said that because I almost forgot to bring this up. Uh, y'all had some posts on your Instagram just like a while back of like being topless together and like taking photos like topless together, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it made me think. First of all, I saw that King likes y'all stuff, and I was like, I, I told I told her that we had King and Jasmine on our show, and I said, yeah. I, I, you guys, you had them on your show too. We love them. They're our yeah. good friends. So yeah. they're so cool, so smart. Yeah. Jasmine is like literally goals and every fucking thing. I'm like, wait, literally. you get to be like a licensed psychotherapist and like a sex worker and like do porn. And I was like, how do <laughs> and I? And a mom and, and a wife. <laughs> yeah. And literally all the things. I'm like, how? <laughs> how? <laughs> Look, uh, I'm sure they will gladly sign you up to, what is it, royalty films? <laughs> yeah. Uh, royal fetish films. Royal fetish, royal fetish, royal films, fetish films. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, they definitely like King's been trying to get me on OnlyFans. <laughs> I'm like, maybe. Um, <laughs> Ask me next week. Ask me next week. It's like every month. <laughs> um, but yeah, but y'all have that, that uh, photo and it made me think like four women just to spend time with their bodies like naked. 
I think makes so many of us very uncomfortable. And this topic has kind of came up in the past where listeners and and, uh, audience on Instagram has asked questions about like, how do you even feel comfortable being naked? Like I'm naked in the shower. And other than that, like, I don't want to touch myself. I don't want to see my body. Um, I was wondering if you two could kind of speak to that of like getting comfortable or embracing your body in its full natural kind of form to the point where you're even like, yeah, like let's take pictures of ourselves and even to do it in front of a friend, right? That's a whole other level of um, comfortability. And I mean, for, with some friends, I'm like, yeah, no, like we change in front of each other all the time. You know, like they see me naked. It's like not a thing. Um, I've had one friend who would like, we t- took turns taking naked pictures of each other to send to our boyfriend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like help, help a girl out. Um, but yeah, wondering if, uh, if you two can kind of talk on that a little bit. Um, well, I, Jamila's a nudist for sure. Confirmed 100%. Um, and she's very, very comfortable with her body. In fact, she feels better naked. She feels better topless. Anytime we're at a party, it's like she's hot. She's like, I'm taking my shirt off, guys. Like, and it's really not like a sexual thing. And like, I think mm-hmm. even for me, like for me, when I first met her, I was like, oh, oh, okay. That's what we're doing. Okay, shit. All right, then. Um, but I've learned so much from her about our bot like being nude and like what it means and like mm-hmm. why we're even everything is so sexualized and like oh yeah I think even like after I had my daughter I realized I'm like these are not for you okay these are life sources leave me the fuck alone and if I want to show them yeah. I can't um yeah. but I think for me even like after I had my daughter I gained 70 pounds in my pregnancy I was like huge I looked like I was having twins for sure and then when I gave birth like you know shit didn't just like go back to normal and mm-hmm. I really struggled with my, my body. And, and I think I, I had struggled with my, I've been struggling with my body image probably since I was an early teenager. I've been, um, acting since I was a kid and modeling since I was a kid and like con- the constant comparisons and auditions yeah. and all those things, like they do what they do and inevitably, you know, damage mm-hmm. your perception of what is beautiful and what is normal, especially being a black woman who I'm curvy and I'm competing with like, you know, more modely type of even black girls auditioning, going, going for print jobs. I'm like, I don't have this model body. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to white schools where, you know, you know, white girls are, I feel like they develop a little later, or at least they develop later than me. I was mm-hmm. looking like a full-fledged woman <laughs> at age 14 and they were wearing Frankie B's and their butt cracks were fully covered. I oh was my like, God, how? not the Frankie B's. I was like, my butt crack will not be covered in these. I don't know how you're maneuvering or walking, but whatever. That's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think in therapy, my therapist, cause I told her one of the things, um, what that I went for her to her for was I was having body image issues and I didn't feel beautiful. I didn't recognize myself anymore. I looked in the mm. mirror and I was like, who the fuck is this? And then I looked at pictures from before pregnancy and I was like, I was so fucking hot. What the fuck was I tripping about? Oh my <laughs> God, just, just get me there. Um, mm. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get there overnight. Um, mm. So one of the exercises that she encouraged me to do was to, when I'm putting lotion on and out of the shower is just like, doing a lot of affirmations while I'm touching myself and, Mm -hmm. you know, taking it from there to then finally, once I feel comfortable with that, doing it in the mirror and doing it without the mirror was 
easy. When I got to the mirror, that's when I was like, oh shit, this is real. I don't hmm. believe myself. I don't like these fucking legs. <laughs> Look at this fucking stomach. Oh, it's so great. I love it. But the more I did it, like it really, really helped me. Um, really, really helped me. And I think just talking about it with my friends too, it was kind of something I always kept really secretive because people just assume I'm confident all the time. People mm-hmm. always assume that I'm good and that there's no like insecurity within me. And so like, I felt like I couldn't talk about it with friends or they would dismiss me and be like, oh girl, shut up. Like, I'm sure you even yeah. have that. Like you're, you know, you're petite and like Jamila, she's petite. And like, so people assume petite people don't have body image issues or they don't care mm-hmm. about them. Yeah. And they're like, whatever, fuck you guys. Like you're fucking skinny. Shut the fuck up. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, and that's kind of how I felt, even though I'm not necessarily petite. Um, so I think, I think it's a lot of work you have to do on your own um and taking pictures with friends is a great way to start you know uh tinder Tinder (laughs) made you love your body I just mean like I literally I I, unfortunately I really did need validation from someone else I did for to get the ball rolling I was like Mm -hmm. oh shit okay I am good okay because he didn't say anything about like my booty was looking good yeah. You know, but it is good, right? Okay, good. <laughs> I think it is. It's a lot of practice. It's about it's, it's, it's a, a lot of practice of self love mm-hmm. and comfortability. And I think like one of my purposes in life, I thought of this myself, is that like I sometimes I think people hold on to some ideas and they don't even know why they're holding on to them. Like if you actually if so if, like if you if someone said that to me like I'm only naked when I shower, I'd be like, mm-hmm. listen to what you just said. Yeah. That's yourself. You're afraid of yourself? To me, it sounds like you're afraid of yourself. And there's no reason to be afraid of yourself. We have to celebrate all of ourselves emotionally, physically. Every aspect of ourselves needs to be celebrated for us to be in full and full love of ourselves. And like, that's something, I mean, I do like to be naked. This is true. Uh, I am petite, but like petite has not always been in. I've always been Mm -hmm. six and skinny. And like, people are like, "Uh," you know, like, eat a burger. Everybody like, yeah, eat a burger. I mean, like the thicker girl I live in Atlanta. They're like, get your skinny ass on my face. I'm like, wait, but look at this mm-hmm. booty. Um, but I, I find joy in being naked. I find like, it just makes me feel like more one with earth. It makes mm-hmm. me feel more natural. We came in this bitch naked. I like yeah. to, I like skin to skin with my daughter. Um, I, I think through my pregnancy, I realized how much like people a lot of times try to make me feel like something was wrong with me because I like to get naked and because I like, you know, to wear certain outfits or whatever, like that I was trying to sexualize myself. And for a long time, I felt like I, maybe I was, maybe I do need a lot of attention. Maybe I do, maybe there is something wrong with me, but no, there's not. I just am more in in tune with my body and with my sexuality. And I don't even think um, being intimate with myself and being like sexual, like loving myself and like feeling sexual isn't necessarily sex. Mm -hmm. Me feeling sexual is like a part of like my natural being, like a part of my divine femininity. You know, like I, I felt, I feel more just in tune with myself. And even with like having a Luna, I want her to see me liking my body. How often, have, like, uh, how often do we hear our mothers say, like, God, I, I love my body. It looks so beautiful. Yeah. Probably not a lot or at all. 
because our moms didn't know better, you know, like it wasn't something, it was weird to be naked, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I don't I don't subscribe to that. You know, it's not weird to be naked. Your body is yours. Let's get comfortable with it. If someone touches it, it's not okay. It's beautiful. It's worthy. You should, you know, we should look at it. We should get that mirror up in there. We should mm-hmm. be able to identify it. No one should be able to touch it with dirty fingernails. We should oh, dance yeah. naked. You know, I just think that it's like there's there's a huge blockage when you block your physical body from yourself. There's we're so much more than just like the sexual like we're not here to please men and like be playboy models. You know, that's not what these titties mean. And Mm -hmm. if I choose to do that, that's like my own thing. And I I think the more we like subscribe to that type of um, belief, then like the the less will will shade other people. You know, like obviously every all your friends, you're not going to are not going to be my friends. I'm not going to like just not blink an eye when I take my shirt off at the party. But I'm also coming to terms where like, I want to be around my people. Mm-hmm. If you're uncomfortable, you're not my people. And some people I've became friends with and that they weren't comfortable. And then three years later, they're like, oh, it's just, that's just Jamila. She's just going to, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? And then like, but people who make you feel like you shouldn't be yourself, whatever that is for you, it's not for you. Yeah. I would also say that just to add to that one last thing is that the the company you keep matters too, and it really influences how you view yourself. So if you're hanging out with a lot of people that are talking shit about themselves constantly, you're going to, there's no way to combat that. It's, it'd be very difficult to. Because you're like, oh yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Right. You want to be part of the conversation or you just feel like, mm-hmm. well, if they think they look bad. I mean, I'm like 20 pounds heavier, so I must look worse, you know? Mm-hmm. So just be mindful of like the people and the company you keep and the thoughts you have about yourself and about others. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I feel like I related so much to all the nakedness talk. Just then. <laughs> I was like, damn, like us cancers really be so similar. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> <Nothing> creepy. <laughs> <laughs> gang, gang. <laughs> yes. Um, we have to we have to wrap up. Unfortunately, um, I do want to ask one last question and kind of hear a little bit from both of you on this because um, I feel like listeners are going to have questions on this. Uh, but smoking weed, being a parent, um, and maybe if you can just speak to boundaries around that. Um, I have a idea in my head of, of kind of how this goes anyway, but I feel like that's something that listeners are going to be a little curious about. Um. Oh, again, we parent, we, we believe very much in like honest parenting at age appropriate, in an age appropriate way. Um, yes. I, I always tell this story. It's like when I was in college, I lived in Atlanta and I was with like a hippie, some hippie black family. They all had like long ass dreads. They had a bunch of fucking kids and we were in the car and they grew weed and they're like showing their kid the weed. Like, oh, look at the flower daddy grew. Mm-hmm. Passed it to everybody. Everybody looked at it, passed it back. No biggie. And immediately I was like 19. And I was like, yep. Yep. That's what, it, that's how it's going to look in my house. And I just knew that because I like, I grew up, I, we smelled it. Everybody's acting mm-hmm. fucking weird. And we're like, what the fuck are you doing in that garage? Are you doing crack? We, you know, <laughs> yeah. Nobody knew. Yeah. It was, like, it was just like this, it's just like this big sketchy weird shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just like I, I I don't believe in that type of parenting. Obviously we're not like you should smoke like us when you get older. Yeah. But but more so it's just like this is a flower. 
this is what it looks like. It's not some big scary thing. It's mm-hmm. medicine for me. It's at night. It's during the day. It's like you see me functioning. You see me working. You see me taking care of shit. And I'm yeah. still doing it. It's not something you or you have to do. Just like you don't have to take naked pictures and put them on Instagram when you're 18. You know, I'm yeah. my own person. You're your own person. This is what mommy does in a responsible manner. And um, so like when, she, when 12 and 13 and 14 come, our kids are not going to, no one's going to be able to tell our kids, oh my God we're smoking weed over there. They're like, we don't really give a fuck. Our moms <laughs> yeah. are doing that shit all the time. You know, <laughs> like that's the big secret. Yeah. Like yeah. even, even, <laughs> even my daughter is in, was in kindergarten when they were going to school and she came home and she's like, Oh, Oh mom. I was like, what? She's like, so-and-so said weed. I was like, what? She's like, he said weed at school. I was like, in what context? She was like, Oh, like he had a stick and he was like, this is weed. I was like, Oh, did you tell the teacher? She's like, no, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but like, she, you know, it's just not a big, scary thing. It's not. Yeah. So that's just, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think for me, my experience with cannabis growing up in California, I mean, obviously like it's a lot more liberal here, but still mm-hmm. it was illegal. Um, my yeah. parents smoked weed and they definitely kept it away from me. And it was this big mystery. And then eventually I started smoking weed Um and then I was gotten big trouble and I was so confused because I was like, wait, don't you guys do this shit? Like, wait. Yeah. And like, there was no conversation. It was just like, I knew I wasn't allowed to do it. We weren't talking about it. And that was the end of that. And it only further intrigued me because I was that type of child. I was like, wait, what, 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 what can't I do? Oh, I'm gonna do that. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and and, you know, obviously parents hope their kids aren't like that, but 10 times, nine times out of 10, they are. It's just kids. We want to, we want to explore. And I think, um, you know, your kid, you know, and you know, what's best. We have this episode, actually, if, if, if there are any parents that really have a lot of questions about this, we did a whole episode. It's called kids and cannabis 101. And we really break down like, just like all the different steps for people that like, you know, don't live in places that, you know, cannabis is legal and yeah. how to talk to your teenager about cannabis. Maybe you're late to the, maybe you've started this late in the game. Maybe you've been lying to your kids this whole time and you're like, I got to cut the lie. How do I do that now? I've been lying and I don't know where to start. We have, we have a part in that. Mm-hmm. We also have how to like, just start from the beginning and just like create this healthy relationship with like, not being secretive and talking about it from like a medicinal standpoint and a recreational standpoint. I think, um, I, like, I think parents sometimes insult their child's intelligence. Yeah, kids are smart mm-hmm. as fuck, and they be knowing. And that comes at four, that comes at three, that comes at five, even in like an argument with another parent, even kids feel energy and they get language late, like linguistically, like, you know, like they can't move their mouths, but they understand what's going on. So I just, I don't like, obviously there's certain things I'm not going to tell my kid everything, but like. I'm definitely not going to insult my kid's intelligence. No, and then you can't Mm -hmm. lie to your kid and then be mad when they lie to you. They're leading by, you're leading them by example. Like you can't, it's not allowed. I mean, it happens every day, but you shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) True. Disneyland is closed forever. I know, literally. (laughs) It's never happening. Stop asking. That's actually not, that's actually not false. That's actually true. Oh, that is true. Thank God. There was a time my friends were like, are you going to take your one-year-old to Disneyland? I'm like, why the fuck would I do that? She doesn't even know what it is. <laughs> I'm going to wait till she fucking asks me and then I'll go do that shit. I'm like, she doesn't even know it exists and don't you tell her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that would be, a, I feel, I don't know, Disney World to me is like a nightmare just with like thousands yeah. of children and germs everywhere. That's what I think of. <laughs> I'm like this place is well, people that go to Disneyland for fun. I'm always I have so Perplex. many I'm so many questions I'm like 
Yeah. Why? I'm like, who are you? What are yeah. you doing? And like for a one-year-old too. Like, I need to understand. For, for a one-year-old, I'm like, why would I take my fucking We're one-year-old? We're not here for the one-year-old. You're here because you want to be here. I mean, but, yeah. <laughs> but Disneyland, once you get there, it is like uh, oddly, annoyingly so fucking happy. You're like, I'm having a great time. <laughs> You're like, God damn it, mean, why is this fun now? <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, I want the cotton candy and the pickles. Oh, let's do everything and never come back. <laughs> Come oh back in God. five years. <laughs> These are the type of moms we are. <laughs> I absolutely fucking love it. Um, I could continue on and on, but uh, we're going to wrap up and then I'm going to be on y'all's podcast. So listeners can yes. check that out as well. Um, can you kind of let people know where they can find you, where they can listen, how they can support you, all the things. Yes. yes. Um, you can find us. Um, Good Moms, Bad Choices podcast on all podcast platforms. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Good Moms underscore Bad Choices. Um, we have a lot of secret episodes that we put on our Patreon. We have like a blog. It's a, basically our diary over there. Um, a lot of news. <laughs> along with um, just some educational segments like Sex Positions 101 where me and Jamila reenact our favorite sex positions to oh, help amazing. your sex in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and some other cool shit. So you can find us. We're, we're considered explicit shocker um so you actually have to type in patreon.com backslash good moms bad choices to find us you won't regret it um and that's it yeah amazing well thank you both so much um and now we get to record you so thank you thank you so fun All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right? And, And sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. Hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, try giving my podcast, Miraculous Mamas, a listen. Miraculous Mamas is a safe and inclusive place for you to find a huge amount of educational and relatable information about childbirth and parenting with absolutely everything in between. Each week we discuss important topics, share great resources, hear from experts, and listen to birth stories, all in an effort to bring you reassuring and informative experiences so that you know that you are not alone. That's all on Miraculous Mamas podcast. Look for the podcast link in the show notes or simply search for Miraculous Mamas on your podcast app. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.